Hi there, and welcome to There's Been a Murder by Ashley and Gareth, where we discuss crimes from our home countries, mine being Ireland and Ashley's being Scotland. Just as a warning, there is depictions of violence discussed throughout this episode, so listener discretion is advised. So Gareth, tell us, who are we talking about today? So I'm going to talk through about Robert the Painter, and his murder of Mrs. Mary McGowan. Mary McGowan. Yes, based in Belfast. Okay. Before I get into the details of the crime, I'm going to set a bit of background just so you understand, you know, like the the uh, layout and like, on what's going on in the in the area that this occurred. Okay, so the kind of the background of what's going on in Belfast yes. is that quite important. Yes. Yes. It 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 lean leans into the the motives. Okay. Of the murder, you know, and the and and the feelings at, at at the time, um, in response to it. Okay, go ahead. This occurs in nineteen forty nine. Okay. Just after the war, mm-hmm. in the northeast of of Belfast, in the Duncairn Gardens area. Okay. Parts of it was lower to middle class. Yeah. There was a mixture of Protestants and Catholics, but it was mainly Catholic, and there was a general sort of let each other be. So, they. They tolerated each other, but didn't really interact. So they tolerated each other, but was it peaceful? Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. There is now... Amicable. Yeah. Now, near Duncan Gardens was the Tigers Bay area, which mm-hmm. was predom- predominantly mm-hmm. Protestant of a working class, and they held a very extremely anti-Catholic views. So, like, we're only talking, like, a few streets over. Okay, so let's just recap. So we've got the North East Belfast, the yes. Dunkeld Gardens. Duncairn Gardens. Duncairn Gardens. Yeah. It's lower to middle class yeah. and it's a mix of Protestant and Catholics, yeah. but mainly Catholics. Yes. And then we go to the Tiger Bay area mm-hmm. and that's not far from... Yeah, yeah, like a few streets before like it's it starts. Okay, and that's more so Protestant. Yeah, it, it, it's basically like all Protestant and they have very strong views against Catholics. So there probably isn't many Catholics living in Tiger Bay at that point. No. And um, would it be a peaceful situation like it is in Duncairn Gardens? Oh, no. No. no okay, I, so it, it, not it, very amicable. It's very no. Protestant. Mm-hmm. Okay. It would be likely that any Catholics living there would be driven out. Gotcha. Which is yeah. crazy because Tiger Bay and Duncairn Gardens mm-hmm. are only a few streets away from one another. Well... That's that's how it can be in in Belfast. Okay. You know, like you're, the most famous roads are the Shankill Road and Falls Road, yep. which run beside each other and, and have the peace wall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's just how it it can be. Gotcha. I'm going to talk briefly about an election that took place in February of 1949, only a few months before the murder uh, place. Okay. And I'm talking about it because it's a bit symbolic of how the Catholic divide was and, and people's feelings and reactions okay. to the crime just to set the scene. So the local unionist MP who was also the Minister for Education was a Colonel Hall Thompson. Mm-hmm. He was known on on times of election to ride through the, the area on a white horse to mimic King William of, of Orange or King Billy. Ah, okay. So, so he he done this to to really rile up the Protestants' bitterness towards Catholics and okay. like and, and, and like fuel them to go out and vote, while yep. also trying to suppress the Catholics' sort of will to vote. 
So would he ride this horse around Catholic areas or was it predominantly more in Protestant areas? Predominantly Protestant, but he would probably go through a few Catholic areas that are within like the majority Protestant areas. So is and he done this to maximize the turnout on mm-hmm. uh, like rallying the troops type style. Yes, on uh, polling day. Mm-hmm. It was all because he, he was concerned that his party was going to lose out to the Labour Party. Right. So so he wanted to make make sure that all the Protestants were riled up and would vote for unionists. Okay. Okay. So this election happens a couple of months before the murder yes it's riled people mm-hmm. up it's yeah yep rallied the troops for the protestants it's caused disdain for the catholics so there's mm-hmm. definitely tension in belfast yes okay we'll move on now to the 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 actual crime and the build-up to it okay on good friday evening mm-hmm. so easter time yep robert taylor a house painter aged 21 from Lower Meadow Street in the Tigers Bay area. Which is the Protestant area. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, had lost 15 of 20 pounds he had mm-hmm. when betting on Greyhound Greyhound races. Now, this was massive mm-hmm. because on Easter Monday, only a few days later, he was due to marry Lily Jones and needed that money for the cost of the cars and flowers he had ordered and was re- required to pay for in advance on Saturday. Oh. So he, he loses £15. He, he only has a fiver left. Mm-hmm. He has to pay for everything the next day. And I'm, I, I'd imagine, obviously, I know that £5 would have been a lot more back then than that yes. is today. But it's not going to cover the, oh, no, 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 no. the wedding, yeah. flowers and cars. Yes. So yeah, and you know, like they they live in a, a working class area, so like there isn't a lot of extravagance mm-hmm. so it's not but it's still a lot of money to them bless because we obviously i don't know maybe you do know but was he maybe betting we can look at it in two ways yeah was robert betting to possibly win the bet and get more money mm-hmm. and spend it on more of an extravagant wedding or was robert just a gambler yeah just an addiction uh, of, yeah. like, of, of like oh you know i'll i'll win more or, or, or if i lose some i'll win it back type mm-hmm. He loses it on Friday and on Saturday he obviously needs to raise money very quickly somehow. A lot of money. Yes. Okay. So, <clears throat> as as I said, Robert Taylor was a painter. Mm-hmm. So he had worked for several years for a Mr. Barrett who had sent him on four occasions between 1944 and 1948 mm-hmm. to decorate the home of a well-off Catholic family, the McGowans. The McGowans. Yes. Now, um, they were well off because Mr. McGowan owned a pub. Ah, okay. So, so like... And pub. where where did they stay in Belfast? So, they were in the Duncairn Gardens area. Ah. Uh, they were at 18 Ponsonby Avenue. Okay. So, they are in the kind of mixed area, yes. but predominantly more Catholic. Yeah, and it's lower, middle class, so people are more comfortable in their living living ways. Well, some of them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming if he owned a pub and they were quite well off, they were probably one of the more welfare families yes. on that street then mm-hmm. because it was mixed. Yeah. Okay. So he's done some work for them mm-hmm. in the past. Almost once a year he's been to the house for for work. Going back again to February. Mm-hmm. So apologies, we're, we're jumping back and forth a wee bit here, but uh, a few days after the the 
election, Robert Taylor gets a bit of a drive where he wants to become self-employed. Okay. Essentially, so uh, um, he, he calls on the McGowans to, if I look for work. Mm-hmm. So his aunt, their 18-year-old daughter, Kathleen, uh, answers the door, calls on, on her mother to come. Mm-hmm. So her, her mum comes, clocks it's Robert Taylor. Robert the painter. Yep. And asks, oh, are you coming already? Mm-hmm. Because she had actually contacted Mr. Barrett for work and assumed Robert was there ah, because of him. Ah, what a coincidence. Yes. Yeah. But when she realises he's not there from Mr. Barrett, she sends him away. So she's loyal to Mr. Barrett then? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's asked him for the work and... Also, I know this is skipping back a wee bit, um, but that election, mm-hmm. did the Unionist Party, did they win it? Do oh, you know? Yes. They yeah. won it. So do you think that possibly Robert the Painter all of a sudden had this drive to build up his own business and become Mm -hmm. independent because you've said he came from a Mm -hmm. Protestant area. He maybe had that kind of like uh, adrenaline of like our party won Mm -hmm. and they can do it, I can do it. Had it inspired him perhaps. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I know that's skipping back and it might not be that important, but... Uh, Yeah, yeah, in my research, there wasn't really anything that like explains Mm -hmm. where this drive came from or what it was like like if he's seen that mr barrett was was well off and he's like oh i could do that and also do you think that with mrs mcgowan saying like no i'm I'm Mm -hmm. gonna stick to mr barrett because she's loyal yeah do you think that sort of diminished his sort of inspiration to become independent and maybe he was a bit hurt by Mm -hmm. that his pride taking a bit of a a shake it could do, yeah, because there's not really much mention more of him, like, doing other uh, painting work. And sorry, this is me surmising again, but is it that his pride and ego were hurt? Now, Robert the Painter is mm-hmm. from a lower working area, he's a Protestant, and this Catholic woman mm-hmm. from a well-off house has said no. And do you think his ego couldn't take that? Potentially. But, Sorry, who do I think I'm? Dr. Ashley here for some eyes and all my fees. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, we'll, we'll get into it and we'll see. Okay. Sorry, I'm skipping way ahead. Yeah. So uh, on the Saturday morning, back to uh, Easter time. Okay, so it's the Saturday after Good Friday where yeah. Robert lost lo- lo- lost his money. £15 out of yeah. 20 Yeah, and he's, and he's desperate. Yes. So he goes to a pub that he often goes to and mm-hmm. asks the the owner for a loan of of, of twenty pounds. Say so he asked, he begged. The owner essentially told him to fuck off. Well twenty pounds probably back then, I don't know yeah. how much it was, but I can imagine it's quite a lot and just because Robert drinks in there doesn't mean that this yeah. landlord was of anything, so I get it. Oh yeah. And the landlord probably knew that there wasn't much chance of him getting him back. If he's a known if he's a known gambler as well, then yeah. maybe the landlord was just a bit wary that he wouldn't mm-hmm. get the money. Yeah. Yeah. So, peeved. Mm-hmm. So he's and he's even more desperate. He doesn't know where to go mm-hmm. to get this money. And an idea pops in his head, mm-hmm. and it's probably pr- probably attached to this idea is the bitterness of being turned down by the McGowans. So is and the the amount of 
a blood between the Protestants and Catholics that there's that there's been. Okay, so he's desperate. Yeah. And obviously he's still annoyed at Mrs. McGowan mm-hmm. and turning him down mm-hmm. for work. Yeah. So I see where this is going that he is yeah. is he gonna take his desperation out on the McGowans? Well, he arrives at the McGowans at ten past twelve in the afternoon. Okay, on the Saturday. On the okay. Saturday, yeah. Mrs. McGowan was, was home alone. Okay. Her husband was was in hospital and their daughter Kathleen had gone to visit an uncle in, in Newry. So Newry is is on the border of with the Republic of Ireland. Okay. So like it's a good hour, hour and a half drive from, from so Belfast. So she's nowhere to be seen. She's yeah. not in the city. She's not, but she did bump into Robert at the local bank Ooh. before she left while he was on the way. Oh God, that's creepy, isn't it? So. Has, sorry if I'm skipping ahead, has Robert gone back to the McGowan's chat, beg for work? Like he's begged the barman for money or? Well, well, he, he gets there, uh, knocks on the door and Mrs. McGowan answers and he asks if he can use her phone. Okay. And she says yes, because she knows him. Yeah. You know, Fair enough, she's turned him away from work, but he's he's been in her home many times. Yeah, she so, yeah. You know, you know. They're acquaintances. Yeah. And she probably doesn't think there's any bad blood. She probably just thinks, Well, mm-hmm. I was being loyal to my original um painter and decorator. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So yeah, um he goes inside and he closes the door and immediately puts a cord around her neck and tried to strangle her. Oh, okay. So yeah, I, I don't even think they got to the phone. So I, it was just immediate. Sorry, was it the phone cord? The phone cord? No, no. No, it was just some form of... Yeah, like, yeah like he'd, he'd brought like a, a rope with him. Oh, so this is all pre-planned then? I... Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she resisted strongly uh-huh. and he dragged her into the scullery, which is like the kitchen, sort of big, big larder. Oh, yeah, area okay. And all, you're, you're, like where all the food I would be stored and all like yep. that. Uh, so they're in there, they're fighting. Mm-hmm. So it is, he seizes a carving knife and inflicts wounds up to 12 inches long on her head, face and neck. Oh gosh, that's awful. Yeah. So blood covers the floor. Mm-hmm. It's spattered up the walls, up the ceiling. He then pushes her to the floor and kicks her violently. Oh my and gosh. F- and finally poured a pot of boiling soup <gasps> over her. Oh jeez, that's it's a very personal attack. So yeah. sorry, just to clarify, he has he's sliced her face, yes. neck and head. I'm assuming he was standing behind her still then. Yeah, like, yeah. So like cord is around her neck. She's fighting, fighting back as strong as she can. Mm-hmm. So it's not you know, like at that point, I would probably imagine it's quite fifty fifty. So it is you know you like like he's probably a bit more powerful than her. So it's not about like. But she's definitely at a disadvantage because she's got her back to him. Oh, yes, yes. So there's only so much. She's probably, fa- what's that word? Flailing. Failing. F- flailing. flailing. Sorry, I can't say it. <laughs> she, well, she's doing that with her arms anyway. Aye. But he's got, he's definitely got much more control over her than she does of mm-hmm. him at this point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I do wonder if he was surprised by the amount of resistance she... she... There's definitely like elements of like... Not overkill because I don't know yet if she dies or not. But I think it was panic. Was it though, or was it because if he he obviously had pre planned it with the cord. Yeah. 
So did he intend to go and that was how he was going to kill her by basically strangling her with the cord. Mm -hmm. But then he's then slashed her face, which, okay, might have just been coincidence because he was behind her, but also your face is such a, it's a personal thing. You know, he could have stabbed her in the stomach and Mm -hmm. her organs and all that kind of thing. And he then has kicked her and thrown soup over her. Like, that's very, like, it's, it's, to me... That Roberts committed on mm-hmm. Mrs. McGowan sound very personal. You wouldn't, not that most people would commit them anyway, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't do that to a stranger. Slashing her face is super personal, throwing the soup on her. Like these are, if he wanted to kill her and he didn't know mm-hmm. her, you would, you know, strangle yeah. or, or something that's a wee bit more. I think it's more he wanted to incapacitate her. So, like, basically, like, knock her out almost. Do you think that he didn't expect Mrs. McGowan to put up such a fight? Yes. Yeah. I think, like, I think it is, like, in the moment, he maybe didn't, he didn't want to kill her. So, so everything he'd done was to try and, like, basically fight, you know, that, like, she couldn't fight back anymore to put her in a position where, like, she was just done. Do you think he had planned then to go to her house with the cord mm-hmm. and then put her into like a form of submission where she had to submit to his power because yes. she was then you know mm-hmm. not incapacitated but if, if he if he you know if, if she knew she was at threat is she more likely to say take whatever you want here's money like i'll give mm-hmm. you you know was maybe it- yeah yeah like i think with the cutting of her face, kicking her violently and pouring the soup over, to me, that seems more of a, he just wants her, like, out of the way. He doesn't want to kill her. I said that, though. Yeah. I wonder if it was, this is my theory, you're probably going to have to edit so much of this, <laughs> but this is my theory that Robert pre-planned it. Yeah. Hadn't pre-planned to kill her, though. He'd taken the cord and wanted to put her in a form of submission where she yeah. would have to give him money or give him whatever he wanted, basically, so that he wouldn't harm her. Mm-hmm. But then when she overpowered, well, not overpowered him, but she fought back. Yeah, so strongly. So strongly, probably frightened him a wee bit and he panicked. But I do wonder if there's an element of rage there because she's a Catholic woman who mm-hmm. turned him down for work and she's wealthier than him. And yep. here he is. On his hands and knees needing money. So mm-hmm. there's many factors of this attack. Mm-hmm. So sorry, let's proceed. Yes. So at this point, like, she, she is down and out. There's She's no... incapacitated. Yeah. There's okay. no fight back from her. So he rifles through her purse, ransacks the main bedroom and leaves and goes home. Okay. So while all this was going on, Mrs. McGowan's neighbour had heard her screams. Okay. Uh, number 16, so the next door neighbour, yeah. Mr. Skillen. She staggered out to the back door at about 20 past 12 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So only 10 minutes after. Wow, what a ferocious attack to occur in such a short space of time. It is, but probably for her in that moment, it probably felt like forever. Oh, totally. Like going on. I can't even imagine the pain, like, mm-hmm. individually, all of them would have been awful on their own, but mm-hmm. then a collaboration of the slashing, the kicking, yeah. the soup, yeah. boiling soup. I know. Awful. I know. So, so yeah, she's staggered out the back door. He runs over to 
support her and guides her towards their her other neighbour at number 20, mm-hmm. uh, Mrs. Rafferty. Okay. And um, no, I, I, I'd I found in my, if I researched that, when giving evidence in court, Mrs. Rafferty had said at first she did not recognise her next door neighbour. She didn't, she said she didn't look human at all. Mrs. McGowan had lost her lower teeth and her glasses. Both eyes were blackened and closed. Blood seemed to ooze from her eyes, nose and her mouth as well as from the open wounds. Her hair, shoulders and dress were sodden with blood, soup and boiled barley. Oh my a, gosh. A blood red cord hung from her neck around which it had been wound twice, leaving a black ring. When Mrs. Rafferty asked who she was, Mrs. McGowan gasped. Don't you know me? I'm Mrs. McGowan. She probably was in such shock because the way her neighbours described her, she she sounds like a walking zombie. Mm-hmm. And you think, well, how how is she even how is she still alive at this oh, point? Oh yeah, but I wonder if it's shock and adrenaline that's keeping mm-hmm. her going. It, it was like it, it probably is. She's probably running at absolute fumes. But then the fright that her neighbours must have got seeing their. I don't know. I was like, I'm, I'm not being able to 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 recognise her. Yeah, that's frightening. Yeah. So, to Mr. Skillen, Mrs. Rafferty, and to the police sergeant who arrived within minutes from the local police station, Mrs. McGowan said several times, Robert the painter did it, Robert who worked for Mr. Barrett. She was then transported to to hospital mm-hmm. and died the following Monday. Aww. But during her time in hospital, she repeated this this statement and told him in detail how the attack occurred wow so yeah we'll move on to robert taylor's alibi now so robert taylor was interviewed at his home within an hour of the assault because mrs mcgowan had obviously named him yes he signed a statement declaring his innocence and claiming that he was not in the area at the time his alibi included an account of a visit to a, a newsagent mm-hmm. and a journey into the city centre where he, he had arranged to meet at City Hall with a Robert Booth, okay. who was to pay him back £5, which he owed him. Is Robert Booth his friend? I don't know. It. He just claimed that this, this Robert Booth owed him money. Right, okay. So he said that Booth didn't show up and that after waiting for some time he left city hall and boarded a bus at quarter past 12 in the afternoon making his way to his fiance's house lily jones they discussed wedding arrangements after which he returned home arriving at five to one in the afternoon the police asked robert how he got blood on his overcoat his jacket and his trousers Mm -hmm. and robert said it wasn't blood but paint (laughs) <laughs> the police then well yeah <laughs> oh, it's a bit coincidental yeah There's, the police then asked how blood had soaked through two pairs of socks and clung to the skin of his foot at the top of his shoe oh wow his answer was he did not know how it got there then the police ask how he got the scratches on his face mm-hmm. so obviously Mrs. McGowan was was fighting back as hard as she could. So there's defensive marks, Mm -hmm. yep. He claimed that they might have been caused by his niece with whom he he had been playing with. 
and he claimed that he had not seen Mrs McGowan for over a year. Now, we already know that a few months earlier he had... Uh, yeah, in February. Mm-hmm. Oh, so. And you said that his, um, sorry, Mrs McGowan's daughter was the person that answered the door in the February yes. visit. So mm-hmm. that's a witness that can testify against his mm-hmm. alibi. Mm-hmm. So at the trial, Lily Jones said... Robert had arrived at her house at half twelve in the afternoon. And Lily is Robert's fiance. fiance. Yes. Now, do you know? Did your research say anything? Did they get married that Monday? Um. No. They didn't get they married. Didn't. They didn't, and we'll we'll carry on with the with the story. Sorry. <laughs> Not. Uh, um. So yeah. She said that he arrived at half twelve in the afternoon and that there was nothing unusual about his appearance. But there must have been because there were scratches on his face. So yes, I, yes, I think that um, very much she was defending him. Okay. So was so. She was love blind. Yeah, love blind. She also naive. Well, she also grew up and and lived in the Tigers Bay area. Oh. So. You think there was a wee bit of um, loyalty to... Yeah, there was a lot of sectarianism that that goes on in this. So it had since been established that the blood on his clothes was not paint, but it was actually blood. And Robert Taylor admitted that he had lied to the police. Okay. He now remembered that he had had a severe nosebleed on Friday evening. A severe nosebleed. And that he had been plagued for years by... By nosebleeds. Get a piece. As much as two or three per week. Shut up. Even though he admitted he had never once seen a doctor about them. So he's trying to say that his nose bled that day and that is how blood soaked through two pairs of socks and stained his foot. Well, yes, he... It goes on to say that uh, when asked again about the blood that penetrated two pairs of socks, Mm -hmm. he said he still could not explain... But he knew that those stains must have come from his nose. His father then claims that he had oft that he often had nosebleeds and was not a violent person. And Lily Jones's sister said she remained she remembered him having a nosebleed on Friday. So everyone around him is defending him. Yeah. And giving alibis and reasons that, you know, it's not anything to be suspicious of. Yep. Kathleen McGowan, their daughter, yes, contradicted his claim that he had not seen her mother for over a year, re- yes. recalling his visit to their house two months before the assault. Mm-hmm. And a Mrs Shields, who also lived on Avenue, mm-hmm. who left N- Newington Church uh, at noon on the day of the assault, testified that at five past twelve in the afternoon, she saw Robert Taylor em- emerging from Baltic Avenue a few hundred yards from Ponsonby, was heading in that direction. And she recognised him because he had done work for her too. Ah, so, okay. So Robert was known in the area. Yes. It's awkward though, and I don't, I don't know if I'm skipping on or not, but obviously Robert's got a group that are backing him up. Mm-hmm. Family, friends, and laws. Yeah. I'm assuming all Protestant. Mm-hmm. And then we have Kathleen McGowan, Catholic. And then we have Mrs. What was her name? Who was at church? Um, Mrs. Shields. Mrs. Shields, 
who I'm assuming mm-hmm. was also Catholic. So you've got Protestant witnesses saying one thing and Catholic witnesses saying another thing. Yeah. It's a bit awkward. Mm-hmm. Now, do you remember Robert Booth? Yes, the one that owed oh, Robert yeah. the Painter Fiverr. Yes. Mm-hmm. But he swore that he had no arrangement to meet Robert Taylor in town and, I oh. did, and that he didn't owe him any money. And the news agent swore that he did not visit his shop. Oh, it's all falling down now. Yep, yep. So we've got all the people who are close to him backing him. Mm-hmm. But the people who are... Um, yes. Are just like... Probably the ones that he, that Robert's alibi depends on. Mm-hmm. The news agent and Robert. Well, yeah, because like, they'd be th- solid, was, solid there, witnesses. There would always be suspicion of anyone close to him. That, like, you know, to be like, right, okay, you're saying this, but you know, mm-hmm. how much of it is true. So there is, there is some forensic evidence that was on Robert Taylor's clothes and skin was type O. The mm-hmm. same as Mrs. McGowan's. Mm-hmm. However, evidence fell apart when it was realised that Robert Taylor's blood type was also type O. I was just about to ask like, if Robert's was O or Yeah, or so, so the, this is obviously back in... Kind of back to his nosebleed comment. Yeah, yeah and, and it's back in, in 1949 mm-hmm. when I imagine forensic evidence isn't as... Strong, advanced, strong, yeah. ad- advanced, yes, uh, as it is is today. So DNA probably isn't a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, 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 yeah, um, that would have been a major piece of evidence, but it couldn't be used against him. That's so annoying. But then again, even if Robert wasn't old, Mrs. McGowan wouldn't have been the only woman or the only person in yeah. Belfast to have all. So he could have squirmed his way out of Aye, it somehow. Probably. So. But what he couldn't squirm his way out of mm-hmm. was the fact that there were 15 white blood-stained hairs on his coat that matched those of Mrs. McGowan. Oh, yeah, that's hard to shift. The, there were pieces of barley on his shoes. Oh. Fibres on the soles of his shoes that were identical to those in the carpet of the McGowan home. Mm-hmm. Polish on the soles of Mrs. McGowan's shoes that was identical to the polish on his shoes. Do you know what about of all of those coincidences? Mm-hmm. So, over over the course of the trial, which mm-hmm. lasted from the 30th of May to the 28th of July, 1949. Mm-hmm. So, quite a long trial. Yeah. Well, it's not. Now, I've told you about the 12th. Yes. The 12th of July. You mentioned it to me because yes. I didn't know it was a thing until <laughs> I met you. Yes. So, this is a Protestant holiday, a Protestant celebration yes that happens back in northern ireland yes mm-hmm. uh, there, you know like there's there's some wee marches in glasgow and all that happens. is there i the the bands i don't take any notice no <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> so yeah what occurs in in the middle of this trial so once again protestants you know you know, like are rising up you know it's their time mm-hmm Right, so what happened yep. while the trial is still going on mm-hmm. and people from the Tigers Bay area amassed outside of, outside the homes of Mrs. Rafferty, mm-hmm. the neighbour, yep. Mrs. Shields, the one from the church, yep. 
and Mr. Skillen, the other neighbour. Sixteen. Yes. Sixteen and twenty. Yes, yeah. that's it. Mm-hmm. So it is, and so the crowds were were standing outside their homes, shouting "Fenian liars" <gasps> and much more. Oh, that's so naughty. Fenian is a derogatory term that's uh, Protestants use to call Catholics. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I just I was just thinking there, like, I I. I I just I don't get why they've I get why they've come into. Duncairn Gardens. Duncairn Gardens, because obviously, but I just think, well, stay away. That's all. Well, it was intimidation. No, I know, but I hate that. Um, it's what happened. <laughs> you hear it all you want. I'd be there with my white flag. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the police stood guard at the front of the houses but did not disperse the mobs. Oh. This. This display of aggression naturally distressed the witnesses. Of course. But it did not affect their evidence. Good. Good gals. Judge Sheil, who was who was over the uh, trial. The judge of the trial? Yes. That's, that's a good phrase. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he warned the jury that if they were convinced beyond a reasonable doubt of the guilt of the accused, they would be violating the oath which, had, which each had taken if through fear of consequences... Mm-hmm. They failed to find him guilty. So basically saying, think he's guilty, but you're afraid of what's going to happen. If you don't find him guilty because of that, then... Shame on you. Yeah, like, you're basically committing a crime. You're yeah, like, you're perjury. just as bad as yes. Robert the Painter for a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I get it. I mean, it's a different mm-hmm. It's different times, and, mm-hmm. and I, I can't imagine what the tension was like between Protestants and Catholics. But, yeah, like, mm-hmm. if, if you've heard that... A group of Protestants came from Tiger Bay to Dun. Sorry, I'm gonna not Dun. Dun. <laughs> Duncairn Gardens. Duncairn. Sorry, it's because we've got a Dunkield. Oh right, okay. So Duncairn <laughs> Gardens. Mm-hmm. Then I get why if a jury heard that they'd be like, well, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to say yes or no because yeah. I'm mm-hmm. ruffling somebody's feathers. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So yeah, the jury remained out for over three hours and returned to say that they could not reach it agreement ah. and with that robert taylor could not be found innocent or guilty and would be retrialed in october 1949 so a few months later okay so at the the retrial in october the the prosecution case the, 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 the prosecution case mm-hmm. was the same so there was no new evidence that could be that was found so it was basically the same trial just yeah. a different jury yeah okay but it was argued with greater finesse ah Robert Taylor was exposed to relentless questioning mm-hmm. and his claims about n- nosebleeds I elaborated on considerably mm-hmm. were made to look fanciful. He was forced to admit he had lied several times to the police with intent to deceive and his excuses I was confused at the time, I was fed up sig- signalled obvious desperation. Mm-hmm. Inconsistencies in his account of his movements were exposed. Mm-hmm. Lily Jones was forced to admit that her current version of events contradicted her, her previous one. Oh. I didn't know what I was saying. Ugh. But the judge's summing up was decisive. Mm-hmm. By way of introduction, he, re- he raised the question of sectarianism. Mm-hmm. Set aside, aside any feelings that there is the slightest religious issue or pr- 
prejudice which anyone outside this court may have endeavoured to introduce into this case. As long as I reside in these courts, I will see that Catholics, Protestants, Jews, Muslims or Hindus will receive from me and this court British justice. Yeah. This uh, claim was that Mrs McGowan would have been too distraught to identify her assailant. Uh, assailant. Which I kind of get. Yeah. I can see how they can make that argument because yeah. she would have been in shock, mm-hmm. adrenaline, extreme pain. Yeah. But the judge observed that she could not have been distraught and must surely have identified him when she opened the door and allowed him in into her house to use her phone. Mm-hmm. And then, without any idea of being partisan and purely in the interest of justice, he left the jury to consider 10 questions, the obvious answers to which required a verdict of guilty. Okay. Within 35 minutes, this jury returned such a verdict. The judge concurred with their decision, adding that it has... It had been arrived at on the basis of not merely convincing but conclusive evidence. Robert Taylor was condemned to death. Oh, so they, they did say he was, he was guilty. Yes, yes, he was eventually Fair found play. guilty. Fair play. That's not where the story ends, though. The was lodged on the grounds that one, the accused had been condemned on the evidence of a dead person, mm-hmm. and two, there had been serious irregularities involving the conduct of the jury two evenings of the trial okay so on wednesday morning the 26th of october mm-hmm. so during the the retrial uh the judge was was asked to grant permission to allow the jury to go to bangor in a private bus for fresh air and, and exercise mm-hmm. something that was done during the first trial so there was precedent set ah okay there is the judge agreed Mm-hmm. And instructed that the jurors should be accompanied by four policemen, mm-hmm. and that the during the time the jurors would have two police in front and two police behind on on their walk. Yep. There is permission had been given to to visit Bangor only. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the instructions of the foreman of the jury, the bus drove through it and on to Donaghadee. Here, the jurors broke up into three parties, one of which went for a walk, another visited a pub, and another a restaurant, each group accompanied by a policeman. So they've not done what the judge told them to do? No. They broke the rules? Yes, massively. Which is then going to impact this case and probably give Robert his appeal. Well, you'll find out. So then, on the next day, asked how was the the trip, Mm -hmm. and they said that it was fine. No issues. So they're not admitting to anything? Nope. Okay. There is, and, and then again on Thursday evening, the jury trip to Antrim without asking the judge's permission. God, they're rogue. Yep, and again, they broke up into three parties. Mm-hmm. Where they went to a lounge bar, a cafe and a shop. Now, in their affidavits, mm-hmm. the policeman asserted that the brief exchanges which some jurors had with, with the public were overheard by them and did not refer to the trial. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, deal. Mm-hmm. It was overseen by two lords, or by justices. Mm-hmm. So it is, um, they dismissed the claim that the evidence of a dying woman was in, invalid and devoted the rest of the time 
on the similarities of of the jurymen and their keepers. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> the judges pointed out that if the original judge had known about the irregularities, he would have called for a new trial, mm-hmm. which couldn't happen now because Robert Taylor had been tried twice for the same crime. So double jeopardy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Judges fully accepted that when the jury were, were in Donaghy and Antrim, the jurors didn't discuss the, the trial with, with any person, mm-hmm. but he added that they certainly had the opportunity of doing so. And he said that the accused person, Robert Taylor, had the right to complain that his trial had not been conducted according to established and recognised principles of legal procedure. Well, yeah, frustratingly, it hadn't been. No. <clears throat> this, mm-hmm. Robert Taylor's conviction was overturned. He was oh. now a free man. And his two trials had, had generated extraordinary interest in the province and in the Tigers Bay area. He had become something of a folk hero. A mm-hmm. few days later, he, he and his girlfriend walked into the Belfast office of the Daily Mail and tried to sell their story, but without success. Good. So, yeah, it's... It's frustrating because he got to walk away. Mm-hmm. From a, a brutal murder. A horrible murder mm-hmm. because jurors took advantage of a leniency that was granted to them. Yeah. But yeah, it's riddled with a lot of sectarianism mm-hmm. um, that obviously isn't as prevalent today. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. But about the, the like, uh, appeal and the jury, it is the that's overseen. The appeal it is questioned. It's been brought up uh-huh. that um they followed the letter of the law precisely rather than deviating from it slightly to keep a murderer behind bars. But I get why they've done that because the judge in the case allowed leniency with the jurors. Mm-hmm. They took advantage of it. So I understand when they were going through the appeal, they followed it by the rule book so that, that appeal couldn't be uh, yeah yes yeah um, it couldn't be questioned mm-hmm. so it's all about yeah like they viewed uh, it's like a, a some ways that it, it, it's been put all, all online from my research was that they viewed it as the lesser of two evils to mm-hmm. let him go because he hadn't been trialed, trialed, uh, correctly. R- rather than s- break away from some irregularities in the law. But if Robert Painter was innocent, mm-hmm. then it would have been a miscarriage of justice if oh, he yes. had yeah. been, if he had to stay in jail. Yeah. So yeah, frustratingly, mm-hmm. he wasn't innocent, but two wrongs were made. So. I know. It's one of those things, isn't it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Well done. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's interesting to read more about these murders and then like you you it's like you, you you find out what happened afterwards. Well, especially when it happens in your home country mm-hmm. or like a town that you live nearby as well. well. Yeah. But yeah, fair play. We have just got home. From holiday. 
mm-hmm. about an hour ago. Yep. And we're recording this, so this yep. is dedication. <laughs> so apologies if there's any any parts that we seem to dwindle. Yes. But we're extremely tired. It was a, but we were happy and excited to do it. Yes. It was a long flight and a even though it felt like a longer wait for our luggage. It was. <laughs> but yeah, we hope you have enjoyed this episode. We will be back next Wednesday with myself leading the episode. Mm-hmm. And if you have any suggestions or want to give us some feedback, follow us on Instagram at there's been a murder underscore. Are you going to give us a wee hint or a snippet? Nothing. Oh, nothing. No. Right, right, okay then. Yeah, so just have to wait. I tried, guys. <laughs> <laughs>